This week's Lords Cricket podcast is with Graham Onions. Graham played nine tests for England between 2009 and 2012, taking 32 wickets at an average of just under 30. It's arguable that nine tests was nine tests too few, but in a career disrupted by injuries, he achieved a lot and he's got some great memories. A five-wicket haul on debut here at Lords, winning the Ashes in 2009, where he caught the eye of pop star and celebrity cricket fan Lily Allen. And he delighted England fans with some gritty rearguard batting action against South Africa that following winter. All of this is discussed in the podcast and much, much more. I caught up with Graham, who's now plying his trade for Lancashire, earlier this summer. At the time of putting this podcast out, Graham's actually the leading wicket-taker in the county championship. In Division 1, he's got 56 wickets at an average of 21.4. It's fair to say that the old boys still got it. And I checked in, I turned round and I walked and, and uh, Duncan Fletcher, was he, he was walking towards me and I was like... Oh, that's that's Duncan Fletcher. So I walked over, and he literally walked straight past me. You're listening to the Lord's Cricket Podcast with me, Will Rowe. These are the stories from the home of cricket with the people that made them. Graham Onions, absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> have you ever done a podcast before? Um, I did. I did one for my benefit. Yeah. So yeah. during my benefit, yeah, with um, uh, somebody from the the Chronicle, and uh, basically he would publicise the events that I had, and then and then I would talk throughout my ten most important games type of thing, and uh, probably quite similar to this, but. Um, I'm obviously expecting this to be a lot better. <laughs> well, hopefully. No pressure. Well, no pressure at all, and certainly we're going to chat about one of those games. Um, you're 35 now. Are you still enjoying the game? Um, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, soon to be 36, which is which is strange. I mean, the, the time just flies by. Um, I think at some stage it will obviously catch up on me, and it'll be... It'll just be too hard to do, I think. So at this moment in time, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, obviously, I think the move has has slightly helped the the passion and the drive a little bit. Um, and I mean that is in the point of the winter that I've just had and the fitness, the fitness that I've always done. But this winter has been a lot more emphasis on on being a lot fitter and stronger. Are you sad to have left Durham? Because I mean, that was a county that you were so closely associated with. You came up through the ranks. You. You're a Durham boy. I mean, the accent gives it away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think it's good to do these type of things because you speak honestly. And I think I've I've done I've done interviews in the past where I've I've been a little bit probably disappointed with the way I was treated at treated at Durham, um, but also very lucky to be given an opportunity to join such a great club. And look, I, I, without I, I going to BBC or going to Crick Info and I check Durham score straight away. You know, that's that's my club. Um, do I miss it every day, um, yeah. all all the time? You know, I'm, I I got given an amazing opportunity when I was a young kid to to be brought up in the northeast and just to play and get given an opportunity to just to try and live a dream as such. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not. I wasn't the type of person that thought, oh, I want to play for England. That's what I want to do. I actually just played for the fun of it. I was quite a late developer. Um, I played club cricket under 13s, 15s, 17s, but had no idea 
the potential that I had and how good I could uh, possibly be. Graham Onions may not realise the talent he has for cricket, but one person does. His coach at Durham, Jeff Cook, sees something special in this young, skinny kid. I turned up for a trial and uh, we, we, we got stuck in traffic a while late and my dad... Um, I can't actually remember this, but my dad tells a good, a good story. Uh, hence the reason why this isn't being taught very well. But he, he we, we were about ten minutes late. We're sitting down in like a cinema room, and um, and Jeff was just talking about about Durham, the county, and how young it was, and and the pride that you've got to have to play for the club. And um, I turned up ten minutes late, and of course I didn't really think a great deal of it. I was just thinking, well, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to enjoy my cricket. And he said, my dad I'll never forget said this. Uh, Graham sit down said you're going to play for England one day and he said he said right lads this lad's going to play for England one day and I honestly I cannot remember that but my dad tells the story and I'm like to have that judge of character and person that I promise you I could ball quick but I was I was rubbish <laughs> um, how old were you when he said this I, I was trying I, I think I was around about 16 did you um, feel pressure from that sort of well, I can't remember it, so obviously, <laughs> I, obviously not. Um, I just, I, I, I just, and just, I just enjoyed the game. I remember, I remember a couple of things that Jeff said um, was, "You make bowling look very easy." And I said, "Well, I just, I just like to feel the ball coming out of my hand, and I had, I had like an idea of what I wanted to do, but I just didn't have the skill to, to actually put it, put it there." Obviously, the hard work that I put in kind of got the the best out of me really let's go back a moment graham was born in 1982 in gateshead in the northeast of england proud of his background and community he's the youngest of two kids his elder sister christine puts up with her little brother but they have a close bond yeah me, very much my best friend really she um i annoyed her a lot um uh, she she without a doubt got the brains of the family. Um, <laughs> although she had she had the sporty gene as well. I think I got the more natural kind of um, trying to say this the, the nice way like the wiry the wiry mechanics that go with especially with fastball and, and where I get my pace from because I'm certainly not built what people would see as a fastballer. I mean someone like Dale Benkenstein, I bowl some quick spells and you'd say, well how how are you actually bowling quick and it. That's obviously as you get older and you do your, your level four coaching badges, you start to realise why that happens. But um, my sister was sporty. She she was um, very intelligent. I remember we had a, a piano, uh, which my sister played. I could never play it. And the next next to it in the house was a wardrobe. And I would literally uh, cricket bag in, badminton rackets out, badminton rackets in, cricket. And I was just it was constantly. Mum and dad would shout at me saying tidy the cupboard you know and I was like well I just loved playing all different sports and I think that probably helped me in the end but but I still worked pretty hard I still got my GCSEs yeah. um, I still did uh, well the GMVQ so I could concentrate more on me on me sport a lot of the, the stuff that I did and the hard work that I got was without a doubt from from me mum and dad both very very hard work and people my dad worked shifts for you know he left school work shifts um, in he started off making suits um, when, it, when he was younger and then went to, to drive metros and trains, worked shifts all of his life, uh, mum a nursery nurse, and that's long hours as well and a lot of hard work that goes into it. And I, 
I think that's for my parents, but I think it's also a lot of people from the North East have got this naturally in them. You know, they, they're they sometimes cast uh, as people, they're just people in the North East, you know, just, just let them just live their own little, it's like another little world <laughs> over there. And, and obviously it's the way... It's country up there. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's not actually an area you associate with cricket so much. It's a football mad part of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up, um, Durham only became a county in 1992 when you were about 10 years old. Um, did you even think of cricket as a potential career? Absolutely not, no. I, I didn't think sport was a, a potential career. The, the, I think the first time I really realised um, when I got to, to play under 15s and I started to realise that like people like Nathan Roberts and Gail Emms that they had an opportunity to make a, a living and naturally a bit inquisitive I said well what, what kind of money can they earn if you win like a, a gold at the Olympics or something like that and someone someone said 30 grand roughly and I was like that's a lot of money <laughs> I was thinking that that is a, that is a lot of money um, to play badminton to, yeah. play bad, to, to do something that you love Yeah, I was like but of course, I was playing tennis, so I was naturally thinking, well, I played county at a, uh, county tennis, but I wasn't. I was never the best. Uh, I played cricket. Graham keeps his options open and is about to go to university. But with cricket going well, Durham's Jeff Cook has other ideas. I'll let Graham pick up the story. The only time I really realised is when, once again, I sat down at Austin's, which is which is the the, the pub on the ground, and. My mum and dad got called in, and I was around about seventeen or eighteen then. Um, and Jeff, Jeff Cook called us in, and, and I was literally just about to send me. Is it UCAS forms that you do? And I yeah. wanted to go to either Loughborough, Liverpool, or or Northumbria Uni. Ideally, I wanted to get away from my parents and kind of live life a little bit and get away. Um, and he, he literally just said, "He said, how do you fancy being a professional cricketer?" And I was like. I just thought it was a joke. I just said, I just said, and I said, well, I said, yeah, it sounds pretty good. And he said, well, he said, well, why don't you come in on Monday and you can you can bowl against the lads? We've got Martin Love coming in, um, and you can bowl against the lads. And of course, I think naturally, my mum and dad were thinking, well, but you've got an opportunity now to go to university, learn learn about life a little bit. And I remember turning to to my dad at first, and I said, well, dad, what's your thoughts? And I, I mean, they both literally just said, "Well, if you if you want to do this, give it a go, and we'll back you." Mm. And it's literally the best bit of advice because I I think as a parent, obviously being a parent myself now, is I think I find that quite hard to risk a potential proper job, yeah, um, to to potentially like you know live your dream. And they just backed, you know, they they just said, "Look." If you want to do it, go for it. We'll back you. I remember the whole weekend. I was excited for Monday. It rained on the Monday morning, and we had some ridiculously spicy nets. Um, so you couldn't use the grass wickets at all. It was slightly coming down, but there was a game starting on the on the Wednesday or something. Um, Martin Love came over uh, the so that we were part of the academy. We were over in the grass nets, and Jeff was saying, "Look, sorry, there's no no nets available." But Martin Love came over and said, "Oh well, I'll bat on the Astro turfs." Martin Love was an unbelievable player, really skillful. He had a lot of time on his hands, and I said, "Well, I'll bowl at Martin Love on these on these spicy astroturf <laughs> nets." So he put his he put his um, his hand warmers underneath his hat, 
put his hat on, like so he had his hat on, yeah. put his helmet on top. So he had <laughs> it was it was freezing, absolutely freezing, slightly like a little bit of drizzle in the air. And I literally I ran in, I bounced him first ball and he just like kinda of ducked out of the way. But I, I didn't mean to bounce him. I once again it comes back I, I could ball quick but I had no idea where it was going. Um and with a pretty decent ball and I, I bowled at him a couple of times he played and misses played some great shots as well and I um, I think from that day on I was like this is this is great like I'm, I'm I had I, yeah you got your lunch afterwards and I was thinking this is this is like if this is a job <laughs> I, I want to give this the best crack I possibly can because it's great fun <laughs> And give it a good crack he does. In 2004, Graham makes his first class debut. Soon, he's a name to look out for. He takes 50 wickets in the county championship in 2006 and is called up by England. He doesn't play in the one-dayers against Pakistan and admits that's a good thing, but enjoys it nonetheless, despite the coach ignoring him. I knew I was never ready yet. Like I was just so excited. I would knew I was never ready to play one day cricket. Then I mean, I had I didn't have a good slower ball. I didn't have a Yorker. I didn't have the skills. Um, I probably didn't have the mental skills neither to 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 compete against Pakistan at the time. Um, and but I loved it. And I I look back and I think, well, actually, I'm pleased I did that because I was. It just gave me another little life lesson of of experience, but. I mean the funny the funny thing with that one is I remember checking in it was at it was at um I think it was at Southampton. Um and I checked in, I turned round and I walked and, and uh Duncan Fletcher was he, he was walking towards me and I was like, Oh my god, that's that's Duncan Fletcher. So I walked over and he literally walked straight past me. And and I was like, um, right, am I supposed to say something yet? Bearing <laughs> in mind I'm just a young kid, I'm just, you know, kinda of loving life at the minute. And then it dawned on me, and I was thinking, he's got no idea who I am. So he's obviously, he's the head coach of England. He doesn't really, he wasn't really watching county cricket. He's, he's went to the selector and said, pick me the guy who bowls the quickest, or pick me the guy who's doing okay at the moment. He had, no, he had absolutely <laughs> no idea. I think even the next day, I turned up in my in me, in me kit. He still had no idea. But I, And then I, eventually I was like, hi, I'm Graham Onions. And he was like, hiya. And then that was it. I was like, I was that 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 was it really. Um, and then I mean, obviously that series. I remember I show back to running and bowling literally ninety five mile an hour. I was thinking, wow, this is this is this is the big, you know, the big league really. Fair enough. Um, I actually saw um, Ollie Pope recently down at Lords, and uh, he did look like his on work experience. <laughs> <laughs> he was so young, I couldn't believe it. By 2009, Graham's ready for international cricket. It's early season and he's playing for Durham away to Somerset when the phone rings. Normally, most people would be happy to hear from the national selector. Uh, it was it was day two. I got the phone. I got a phone call, and it was it was stupid o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning or something like that. And it was Jeff Miller, and he said, "Oh, hi Graham, it's it's Jeff here." And I was like, "Look, it's early in the morning." not now obviously thinking it was a dodgy so I put the phone down and and so anyway honestly didn't think anything anything of it Um, and I think obviously Jeff expected me to know who who Jeff was (laughs) and I didn't Um, and he rang me back up about five minutes later and I said he said oh 
Graham, it's Jeff Miller here from from England. I, I was like, I felt groggy. I felt, I was like, I said, sorry, you've, you just tried to ring it. I think you've got the wrong number. And before I could put the phone down, he was like, no, no, it, it's Jeff Miller from England. So I was like, all right, okay. Once again, I was I was still fast asleep, and I was like, all right, okay. So well, he said, well done. You've been selected to play for England uh, to be in the squad to uh, play against the West Indies. And I was like, all right, thanks. Um, that's great. He said. Okay, I, I, t- I tell you what I'll do is I'll, I'll speak to you in about 45 minutes when you've got yourself up and, and you're ready to go. Um, so I was like, right, okay, no problem. Kind of put the phone down. And I kind of drifted a little bit. I was thinking, that that's that's the, the, the day which I thought, I, I've just been picked to play for England. I'm going to go to Lords. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to be part of like the England the England side. And of course, and then I started to think, well, yeah, this is... This is it. This is this is kind of the hard work that I've put in has got me to this stage. Now, naturally, I thought, well, Harmy's been picked as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I honestly didn't think. What? How, how can I get picked out of Steve Armisen? Absolute Durham legend. Took him. Took taking so many wickets. I couldn't even tie his laces. Like he was so so. Like he was hands down one of the best balls in the world, and he. He, he basically hadn't been picked, so because I went down to breakfast and he and he told me he said, "Oh, Bunny, congratulations! Like you've been obviously with." You. And I was like, "How do you know this?" But obviously, he's been told that he hadn't been selected and they've gone with me. At the time, I, I didn't I didn't probably know exactly how to deal with. It. I didn't say like, "Hurry, hurry!" I'm really sorry. I was just, "Oh, thanks very much." He must have been feeling terrible. He must have been thinking, "Oh well, I'm, I, I want to play for England still." Um, he just basically he just said, "Well done." You know, back yourself. So we, we we scored a few runs the next day. A lot of talk was about me on Sky. Um, we we scored a few runs, and then anyway, we bowled literally for a day and a half. They Justin Langer and Tres got loads of runs. They ended up getting like four fifty. Game fizzled out to a draw. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I was, I got man of the match, and it was just a massive press thing about right. You're going to go and play against the West Indies. What? You, how are you going to? How are you going to deal with the pressures? Well, I'm just gonna enjoy it. That's what Homie told me. He said, "Look, just go and enjoy it. If you, you've got your overs under your belt, go to Lords and enjoy it. There's no better place than going to Lords and enjoy it. Is there? It's an amazing place." <clears throat> when you turned up at Lords, um, I mean, I guess there would have been a squad then. So, did you know you were in the starting eleven? At what point were you made aware of that? I was told the the day before the night. So, I, and and I'd actually rather it be that way. I could, I kind of. I could sleep on it, and um, I remember Steve Bull, the the, the psychologist at the time, um, and I. <clears throat> he never had a psychologist at Durham. I mean, they didn't have the. Well, they were tough from the northeast, and you just like <laughs> psychologist. What's one of those type of thing? And and so so that when I t- talked earlier in in the podcast is is like the hard the hardened nature of not people from the northeast and that. The, before I, I got selected to play for England, I went through I had stress fractures in my shins. I had times out of the game that made me tougher. That made me more ready for for that call. Um, uh, Andrew Strauss at the time said, "Look, you're gonna you, you're gonna play," and Tim Bresnan was gonna play at the time, and we were like, "This is amazing." But then the, the lead up to that was that there was like two or three days of rain, and I loved to bowl before games. I just I like to get in the rhythm, and I always have, and I and I still do that now. Um, 
And I said to Steve, but Steve, well, that time, I said, Steve, I'm, I feel as I'm ready, but I just haven't bowled for three days. I need to bowl. He said, Graham, you've just you've probably bowled two hundred overs in you know six championship matches, like or four championship matches. You bowled loads. You're ready. You're fine. And it was the only time which I thought, am I ready? You know, am I ready? Um, but and I put that down to just nerves. Now I just think I was just I just wasn't quite back in myself. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, he was ready, and luckily for Graham, the West Indies decide to field first. It means he can nip over to the nursery ground and have a bowl in the nets, whilst his teammates rack up 377 all out. Then, on day two, it's his time to shine. I was really, I was just desperate to just you know, give me the ball, come on, I, I, want, to, I want to get into it. Because everyone said, look, as soon as you get out there, just try and, you know, feel the feet on your ground, uh, you know, on, your, your feet on the ground and... And just just try and get in the game as quickly as I can. Of course, it took a bit of time to 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 get that first ball uh, in my hand. Yeah, they gave um, it. Graham Swan opened the bowl in. Yeah, so the, there was <laughs> there was a bit on their on their left hand, as in, in obviously Shiv weakness against spin. I mean, Shiv's an unbelievable <laughs> player. Um, yeah, it, it was it was one of the first times actually I, I noticed about team talks and chats and stuff where normally I don't know you just go out there and you could, you you would bowl. Uh, use your skills, um, but yeah, I, I just remember thinking, "Give me the ball. I want to. I want to just get in the game." Um, and then, of course, naturally, it didn't start particularly well. Um, I think I might have went for two fours in my first over. I might have went for fifteen in my first two overs or something. And 
Um, I don't. I think I did an interview a long time ago and thinking oh, I didn't. I didn't feel as though I was good enough, which I, I disagree with now. I, I kind of just. I probably just tried a little bit too hard. I tried. It, it was swinging a little bit. I tried to swing it, where I can swing it, but I'm naturally a, you know, trap the batter on. You know, pitch it full. People play back. And I'm more of a skiddy, hit the seam type of bowler. I found a bit of rhythm. Um, it, I got a ball that was just angled in a little bit, nipped off the seam, and Lendl Simmons off the back foot, nicked off the shoulder of the bat, decent pace. Um, and Andrew Strauss caught it. Uh, a really, really good catch, high above his head. Um, massive celebrations. It will be Simmons who is edging it. Caught! Caught at first slip. Lifting delivery. Onions gets his first test wicket. England on fire. Great yeah. delivery there by Onions. Climbed outside the off stump. Simmons couldn't really get out of the way of it. T- caught the glove. Caught it. Was it first slip, Tony? First slip. Yes. Well, Great delivery by our Graham Onions. For the second time in the innings, wickets with successive balls. When you take the wicket, you get goosebumps and you get you get a little bit nervous then because you think, right now I'm I'm in, and you get that little, that that feeling of. I suppose the feeling of what Test match cricket is all about. You're competing against the best players in the world. Um, all these people are watching England, and I'm part of that team, um, which I which I thrived on. I loved, I enjoyed it. I can understand how people would, would maybe put themselves under massive pressure. I loved it. I just thought, I, if I'm only going to play a handful of Test matches, I'm going to enjoy it. As uh, Onions is on the way to Taylor, and Taylor is getting a ball down the leg side, and there's an appeal. He's out caught behind down the leg side. Careless shot by Taylor. A ball way down the leg side, swung at it, got an under edge, good catch by Pryor, and the West Indies tumbling here. Taylor goes without scoring, 117 now, as uh, Onions is on the way to him now. And he's edging it, he's out caught at third slip. So all of that really came to almost nothing. Out for two, brilliant catch at a third slip. England are snaffling everything. The West Indies dropped almost everything that came their way after tea yesterday. And a good catch. So four wickets have now fallen in seven deliveries. And the West Indies are 119 for eight. And not much to come. Thick outside edge. And a good catch to his left. Tumbling over. Swan the fielder. And then I remember... Getting a few, uh, getting yeah, getting a few more wickets. Um, ball pretty nicely. I, I remember getting re- rammed in, which I would class as like my wicket type, kind of you know trapped LBW ball. A little bit of wobble seam and like nipping it back. Um, obviously got. Uh, I think it was Jerome Taylor. Maybe he's caught down the leg side. He that yeah. was a bit of a lucky one. Bit of a <laughs> bit of a drag down. Um, but but I just I, I remember just running in, feeling really good, really happy with what I'd done before that game. And then and then led into the into that test match and feeling great really. And it's onions who's had this tremendous spell. In he goes and bowls on the middle oh. stump. Peel play before wicket and he's given him out. LB and onions has fallen over and he's flat on his back. Yeah, well like a like a spider on his back. I'd nowhere to go. Waving his arms and legs around and he's hauled up by his teammates. It looked pretty straight from here. And uh, Mr De Silva, the Sri Lankan umpire, nodded his head before raising his finger. Onions gets another one. Four for 24. And looking at it, it's straight. It's knee roll area of the pad. He's a tall man, Onions. The only thing to consider was the height. And uh, (laughs) flat on his back like a turtle. (laughs) What he was up to there, whether he lost his foot or, or what it was. But anyway, four for 24. 
West Indies 2.49 behind. They're collapsing here yeah. in dramatic style. The final wicket was Lionel uh, Baker, uh, another LBW. At that point, you're on debut. You've taken four wickets. Um, there was a lovely catch by Graham Swan off Sullivan mm. Ben yeah. in in the gully region. You're suddenly thinking, right? I'm I'm one wicket away from getting on the honours boards. Um, the honours board never even crossed my mind. Really? No, honestly, it didn't. I was I was I, I was brought up by people like Dale Benkenstein, who was captain at the time, and and Michael Hussey, and they're, they're they're massively on, you know. Winning, winning games, five fast, big hundreds, and I wasn't getting that ball. Was never getting out of my hand. I was thinking that this is my opportunity to try and obviously take a fiver. His onions, he bowls to it. It could be LBW. I think that's it must out. be. It is, and he's got his five wickets in his first Test match at Lords. A wonderful day for Graham Onions. It didn't begin very well because he got a first ball duck, but he has taken five wickets. The first to do that at Lords. Uh, since Jimmy Anderson in his first test here, 150, uh, his first test in England that was for Anderson, 152 all out the West Indies, Baker LBW Onions 17. And on this overcast afternoon, as soon as the umpires decide that the light is fit, I am sure the West Indies will be asked to follow on. But it may be a slight delay, but well done Onions, he's the hero of the hour. But the, the honours board never honestly crossed my mind. And then it was actually KP. It was KP that said, you know, you, you're on the board, mate, you know, and, you know, show everybody the ball. And I was I was unbelievably embarrassed <laughs> to do it. But I've got a great picture where... And England taking their time to leave the field. The Onions will lead them off. I'm facing away from the pavilion. Everyone else is facing that way. And I'm showing the ball to... Uh, to my mum and dad, who would probably had about three bottles of Prosecco each. Everyone just kept buying them drinks. I was thinking, how is that? I'm doing the hard work, and they're getting, you know they're getting lashed in the stand. Um, but they, they, yeah, they. It, it, it was. I mean, that that moment there was was you know kind of for them. It was a shame that uh, I didn't have my sister. Um, I eventually got like my my best mates to come to different games and stuff. But it was amazing to have my mum and dad there because you know they. They, they, they deserve that. Really, they deserve to um, kind of be be part of that day. Um, as I said, as a, as a as a parent myself now, I, I couldn't think of anything better than watching someone that you love so much to do so well. And that was that was a, that was a, it was a surreal day. It was something that you know it's nice to talk about this now because it was amazing. It was really special. <laughs> England wrap up victory by 10 wickets and Graham picks up two more in the second innings. It's quite a summer as he goes on to win the Ashes, playing in three of England's tests against the Aussies. But before that, he walks out against the West Indies at Chesterley Street in the second test of that series. A proud moment for a son of the North East. This is what dreams are made of. So all the hard work, born at Martin Love, in the net out the back. Yeah. Was was it stays in my mind massively? I remember Jeff Cook thinking, "You're making bowling look very easily in the nets out the back." I just felt at home, you know. I felt as though I was ready. Well, obviously I was at home, so I was at Durham. But I just felt as though I was, you know, I was really kind of getting part of that team, leading into, as you said, you know, the an Ashes series. I mean, an Ashes series against Australia, against the biggest players in the world the biggest series in the world where everybody watches and I'm part of it that that summer must really stick out for you I guess 2009 because Durham win the county championship again 
you make your England debut, uh, England win the Ashes, you're part of that. Was that, I mean, it sounds obvious to say, that must have been sort of the pinnacle of your cricket career? People say in the zone. I, you know, I wasn't in the zone, but I was just loving it. I, I just felt as though I was running in lovely, had long strides. I had a lovely hold at the crease and I could bowl. I remember thinking that I knew where the ball was going for once. Um, you know, I, I felt as though I, I wasn't just bowling short. I was had the ability to pitch the ball up and and swing it. I could seam it a little bit. Um, but I was also playing against absolute legends of the game. I, was, I remember. I mean, it, it, it wasn't all good. I played against the I played against Australia. Um, I headingly we got ball up for a hundred. Ricky Ponton came out and started just smacking me into the stand. My natural back of a length. Yeah. Um, he could he, just pull it. He was just pulling it yeah. into the in, into the stand, and I I went for I went for a lot of runs. I was thinking, right back back <laughs> back down to <laughs> the harsh reality that these are you know incredibly good players, but I kind of didn't back down. You know, I remember. Um, Marcus North got a big hundred, who I'm good friends with now. Uh, lives in the northeast, and we talk about it all the time. You know, and he, um, I, I was still very young. I was still, I was still just a young, a young kid uh, that that was still playing for England, and I got, I was given this opportunity, so I was, I was still happy with the, with the way I was born, and I was just enjoying that that period of, of, of my life. And the other thing at that point, um, Lily Allen said that she fancied you. Can you remember that? That was on TMS at the time, around yeah. 2009. Like She was in the TMS box and uh, she basically said she had the hots for Graham Onions. You can't blame her, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I, that, that period of time, that, that moment, I was thinking, Lily Allen? <laughs> really? Um, so people are going, oh yeah, Lillian came in the paper and stuff. And I remember one of the things I had me top off, I had me little love handle on and stuff like that. And and I I, I met her at, at the Oval. I wasn't playing, so I was gutted. Steve Harmison played instead of me, which I was pleased for Steve. You know, it was the last Test match at, uh, at the Oval, and all the lads. So the lads were on the field, and all the lads were like, oh, there's Lily Allen down there. And I was like, where? I I, I didn't really know much about her. Um, heard about her. She was oh, she's down there. I was like, where? So anyway, she turned round and she waved at me. Naturally, I waved, which is the worst thing you probably could have done. And she had it. She had like a fluffy beer hat on. So like her face was the was the beer and the like the like a foam. Was she in fancy a, a, a dress? Product. She was fancy dressed. <laughs> and I was like, oh my word! Um, but all the lads were like giving us loads of stick. But of course, we 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 won the Ashes as well. So. Okay, I'll just make it clear that I, I had a girlfriend at the time as well, though. So who's was, now your wife? Ex- who's yeah. now your wife? <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, but once again, it was like, oh, this is publicity. This is this is what playing international cricket comes with. Um, I met her properly at a PCA dinner, right? And then that's when I started talking. And I said, "Oh, hiya, nice to meet you. How are you doing?" Yeah. Um, I think I said like your music, but I have no idea what she <laughs> what she what she sang. Um, but she was she was nice. She was she was she was nice. She just um, I, I, to be honest, I don't really know what she saw. She, I think she said that she she like she really fancies Andrew Flintoff, but Graham Onions is all right or something like that. <laughs> I think that she said. Um, so I think yeah, she Fred can have her. That winter, England head to South Africa and draw the series one all thanks to some gritty rearguard batting from Graham. 
twice he's the last man standing as England cling on for two nail-biting draws, the first of which is at Centurion. The first time I, I kind of understand, you know, we batted for like almost two days. Uh, Field of Etball beautifully at one of the games. Uh, Collie gone off strike, which was outrageous. I, I said, well, now I said, I'm, I'm pleased I saved this, this game because you should never have took a three or a single or whatever it was at the time. I think I faced a couple from Morkel and I faced six from Antini for the last over. And they were, they were, they were shattered, absolutely knackered. They've been a fill for ages. Uh, and Antini was born relatively slow. Um, and he didn't make me play really he bowled a little bit too wide um, so I left it um, the old faithful you know fist, fist up um, kind of embarrassed didn't know, really, really know what to do uh, but it was great everybody was jumping all over me so that was that was great um, but I was ready I, I, me bowling I was happy with me bowling me batting that's, that's a bonus and obviously in Cape Town beautiful set and one of the best places I've played um, you know, it happened again. Just the, the second time it happened, it just happened really quickly. Uh, so we're in a great position. I think Ian Bell got out, he nicked off, Collie got out. Um, it just went bang, bang, bang. And I was like, this is, this is going to happen again. But I quickly put my kit on, sat down, another wicket went out there. And then me, obviously, good mate Swanee was out there. And he kind of, he, he's great, Swanee, because he started talking in Geordie with his, you know, pretendy Geordie accent and stuff. <laughs> and, and I just said to him, I said, I, w- I would rather face Morkel and you can face Stan. He was like, fine, no problem, happy with that. And then just the way it worked, um, the last over, I faced again, faced a few more balls that time, I think it was. Last over, the, um, I think it hit me thigh pad, ball got stuck in my grill. Dumini was like snarling at us and stuff like that and saying, like, oh, you, you're petrified. So I got the ball out of my grill and <laughs> passed it to him. Um, there was a massive appeal for a court behind, preferred or whatever it was, but I didn't hit it, hit, it hit my shoulder. Um, blocked a Yorker out and then left it and then I then did the old lifting, lifting my fist again. So, um, brilliant. I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, what, 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 one of my best moments then is, is I didn't play the last test at, the, at Johannesburg and Jack Callis who I bowled really well at. I got him out once in a series. Didn't get many wickets, but I bowled beautifully. Um, I thought I'd, I was like really settled in that team, but obviously I didn't play that last test match. I was good. Naturally, at the end of every series, you go and you have a beer with your legends, with the legends of, of the game. Um, and Jack Callis just came up to me. Yeah. Um, we're all walking out. He said, oh, like, Graham, can I have a word? I said, Jack Callis and I was like yeah no problem what's he going to say <laughs> that I'm rubbish or something and he said look he said you bowled absolutely beautifully I said if you keep on bowling like that you'll be absolutely fine you'll have a long career um, and I was like I was just I was just taken back you know I was very much I just wanted to sit down and talk to him more but what you know we're going on the coach and I was like come on we've got to go um, we have a flight the next day and stuff um, and I just from that day on, I kind of, I've kind of, it's just when I when I've gone through bad times, I've always thought he is what our class is the best all rounder ever. Said to me that I was a good cricketer. Um, didn't say I was a world beater. Didn't say um, that I, I bowled quick or whatever. He just said that if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll you'll have a long career. And I was like, well, that's that's all I need. All I need to hear really. But then, sadly for you, you picked up an injury um, mm. before the 2010-11 Ashes out down under, which 
you would have been probably nailed on to go to because at this point you were doing well in that England side. Um, I think it was a stress fracture to your back. Yeah, uh, yeah, had a uh, L five stress fracture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't want to finish the podcast on a downbeat <laughs> note, but yeah, Jacques Callis said you've got a long career ahead of you, but in the end, you never quite had it. How do, how do you sit here feeling now that you, in the end, you only played nine Test matches for England? Yeah, um, I mean. I think what I've what I've got to deal with really uh, is is maybe I'm on, on I was only good enough to play nine test matches, um, but maybe I was I was cut short because of my injuries, and I think everyone says that, which I, I've I found it hard to deal with, and that's that's a little bit of I mean without a doubt you get depression when you're injured because you desperately you desperately want to do as well as you possibly can. Um, what a lot of people don't realise is that you work so hard. You have, you're playing for England. You're lo- you're loving life. You you're touring the world. Um, you know, just just got married. Everything was all good. Simply contracted. Boom! I was injured. Went to Bangladesh. Got injured, and I was like, literally, I missed eighteen months. And to go from there to literally rock bottom and lose everything and basically start again is was the really hard thing to take um, but I was in a way I I made a pact to myself that I, I wanted to play one more game I just wanted to play one more game because actually the surgeon you know he said look I can do, I can I can put a screw in your back uh, but it's a little bit unknown about where you where you're going to be afterwards and I naturally I thought well I'm never I'm not going to play again so I'm going to just give it my best shot just to play one more game um, and It was one more game for England, you know, to try and get back to prove to myself and to people. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the surgeon that doubted me a little bit that I might not get back there. To 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 basically prove that I could get back to that, the pinnacle, um, <coughs> where I felt as though I deserved to be uh, after that South Africa series and hearing what Jack Carlson had said. Um, and, cu- and cut a long story short, through all the hard work, as you know, I did it. I did it again. Yeah. Um, and then I actually felt as though I was a better bowler. You know, people, coaches around the time kept saying, you've lost pace, you haven't got the same, you're not the same type of bowler. But in the summer of 2013, Graham's the leading wicket-taker in the country, picking up 70 scalps at 18.45 as Durham win their third county championship. That winter, it's the ashes down under, so surely he'll be on the plane to Australia. Not so. The selectors opt for three big quicks, Chris Tremlett, Boyd Rankin and Stephen Finn, who they say are better suited to Australian conditions. It's a selection that still hurts. That selection for me was probably the hardest part of my my career. Uh, I remember sitting in my me, in me house, there was talk about getting a phone call and I've never been so excited for a phone call from, from Jeff Miller in all my life. Uh, <laughs> bearing in mind, I put the phone down and on my select on me on my debut, I was thinking I'm excited for this phone call. I can't wait to go and and tour England uh, to to tour with England again. And he rang me and I was like, "Hi, hi!" It came up Jeff Miller. I was like, "Hi, Jeff, how are you doing?" So excited. And he went, um, "Have you got a couple of minutes?" I was like, "Yeah, no problem." Didn't it honestly didn't even cross my mind that I potentially wouldn't get picked. And he said, "Look, Graham." Um, um, sorry, you haven't been selected to go to 
to go to Australia. So I, was, I said, I, I said, sorry, I, I, I don't understand. He said, look, if you've got, if you've got, um, if you've got any questions, please bring Andy Flower. I said, I said, I said, Jeff, I, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. You know, is there any way that you can maybe give me, you know, a bit more of a reason, maybe he's why? He said, well. We've we've selected the side on on players that we feel can do better in Australian conditions. Obviously, I'm thinking, well, I don't agree with you, but it's it's not a bad reason. I can understand a little bit, but then he he was very quick to get off the phone. I I, I had I had so much I wanted to talk to him about and say like you know why like who's been selected? Am I not better than these guys? So anyway, I, um. I got very angry. I got disappointed. I, I got. I just think I don't understand. You know why? Um, and I never got a phone call from Andy Flower. I didn't get a text. I didn't ring him. Which I suppose was a bit of a bad thing at the time. I maybe should have just kind of, you know, cleared the air a little bit and thought right. And Alistair Cook rang me, and I, and I just said, look, I was like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like I, I'm, and he said that you're right to not understand, but these are. That these are the reasons he went into a little bit more detail. The problem that I had is, is he would tell me things, and I and I would I would basically I'd have a, I'd have an answer for him. I'd say, well, I don't. But what about this? And what about that? And there were good there were good arguments to have, and and absolute full respect for Alistair Cook. I I really appreciate him ringing me and and kind of clearing there a little bit really, but. Naturally, it was it was a real bitter pill to, to swallow. Really, um, that was a real tough period. And if I'm being honest, I never I never thought I I would have got back to to where I wanted to be. Did you realise then that that was probably your England career over? Well, kind of. There's only a certain amount. I, I I spend so much time from injury trying to get back and doing well. Is I I naturally thought I'm not sure if I can do that again. Like I'm fit, I'm doing well. I'm not sure if I can do all this energy and putting my body through it to to for like a, like a false hope as such. But then, but then I did it anyway, and I've had a good career with Durham. And I and if I didn't have that that ultimate drive, then I I wouldn't be here now, and I wouldn't be playing for a great. I wouldn't have had a benefit year at Durham. I wouldn't have had a great career and, and uh, a career still going on with Lanks. So. I kind of I did manage to get over it and kind of um you know believe that I I deserve to to prefer to play professional sport and I've still got to think you know I say to my wife all the time I, what could it, what could it have been could I have played more games and she's like Graham you played nine nine games for your country it's, it's an amazing achievement and and she's right yeah I mean you you are probably one of the most unlucky players not mm. to have played more during their generation mm. Just wanted to finish on on that point. Did, did did you ever feel that you were unlucky and that you were too much like the kind of the premier bowlers at the time, like Anderson and Broad? Like your style was more suited to be mm. like them, and and they England were looking for something different, a kind of Bresnan or a Tremlett type bowler. Yeah, I mean, I got compared a lot to to Jimmy, and and a lot of the reasons for not being selected was you can't have two Jimmy Andersons in, in your team. Well, I would argue, and I would argue to say that you could have three Jimmy Andersons in your team. You'd have a, you'd have a, you know, a really good side. Um, 
and you'd win a lot of test matches, especially in English conditions. Um, I just, I, I got, I kept getting told, you know, sorry, you haven't been selected. Go back and take wickets for Durham, and I did it, and I still never got picked. So I know in my mind whether or not your face doesn't fit, or um, the the you know Andrew Strauss, Andy Flower wanted something a bit different. Um, that that's their call. I mean. I'd love to know really their reason, their their reasons behind it. Um, I just, I've got to, I've got to finish my kind of career. Um, the English England career is obviously over. I've got to just appreciate that I probably wasn't the best bowler at the time to get into that that test side, and I've kind of learned to live with that now. But I, but but the one thing which I did do is I gave myself lit- literally the best chance I possibly could. They said take wickets. I did. I mean, they told me that I wasn't playing one game. I got in the car, went to to Trent Bridge, and took you know took nine wickets. Um, I couldn't have done much more, and I'm I'm very proud of what I've done, really. So that's that's where I stand. Hopefully, I don't sound bitter because I think I've got ultimate respect for Cook Strauss at the time, Andy Flower. They gave me an opportunity to to even be around that setup. The selectors, Jeff Miller. Um, naturally, I wanted to play more. I wanted, I wanted to play. If I played nine, I wanted to play one more. I wanted to play ten. I wanted to play as many as I possibly could. I played nine games, so I'm absolutely delighted with that. Really, I'm very lucky with all work I've done. That I'm still playing. And I'm still loving it. I've got an amazing two kids, Oliver, who's five, and Esme, that's three. I've got an, an unbelievable wife that stood by me through some pretty tough times, but she's she's enjoyed some good times as well. So. Um, we're kind of now that I'm playing for Lancashire we're kind of apart a little bit but um, the future the, the future is going to be great you know I, I, I know it is um, she's allowing me to fulfil still a lot of my dreams that I've got um, and I thank her for that really and obviously my mum and dad um, they've had some good times so hopefully a few more to come it's been great going down memory lane and many England fans I'm sure will enjoy listening to this and especially sort of going down memory lane on that summer of 2009, which is very special for England and very special for you. Lovely. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the Lord's Cricket Podcast with the stories from the home of cricket, with the people that made them. That was Graham Onions. It was really good fun to sit down and chat with Bunny. He's someone I've known for a few years now. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I certainly enjoyed recording it with him. Um, I think he was a little bit worried towards the end that he was coming across as being a bit bitter about that that selection where he didn't go down under to the ashes in that, well, it was a a fated trip for England, really. They got absolutely thrashed. Um, So maybe in the end it was better off that he didn't go. Um, but, But I don't think it came across that way. I think one thing that really did sort of stick out for me is that he did everything he could. Every time he was asked to take wickets, he took wickets. And I do believe that he is sort of at peace with it all, so to speak. Um, and as he says, you know, you can look at it that way. You can you can get bitter about it or you can think, well, I played nine test matches for England, which he did and achieved so much. So, yeah, um, a real big thanks to Graham for, for sitting down and taking the time to record the podcast. It was, as I've just mentioned, really good fun. And he's still going strong. Um, at the time of putting this out, he's taken 56 wickets uh, for Lancashire and he's 36 years young. So, uh Congratulations on that. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do give it a rating. It does help. 
um, to get the podcast out there, up the iTunes charts and all that, and more people can listen to it, and um, that would be great. Uh, you can also subscribe uh, to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Homer Cricket, or follow me personally. I'm at Will Row Two. You can also contact the show by email on podcast at mcc.org.uk. Also, a big thanks to the BBC and ECB for the use of those commentary clips. And it was lovely there to hear the um, the great dulcet tones of the the legendary West Indies commentator Tony Cozier, um, who's who's sadly no longer with us. Right, next week's episode is with Graham Foxy Fowler. Uh, Foxy is one of the game's great characters. He played for England uh, during the 1980s. He's a Lancashire man. He moved to Durham. Um, the inverse of Graham Onions, really, if you think about it that way, and scored three test centuries. Uh, one of them was here at Lords against the great West Indies attack of that era. We, of course, chat about that, but we also chat about so much more. Um, Foxy is one of those true storytellers, and I've got to admit that half the podcast is just me sort of giggling at some of the anecdotes and yarns that he tells. Uh, so it's not one to be missed. It's out next Monday. Um, the Lord's Cricket Podcast is a weekly show, and so the next one is with Graham Foxy Fowler. I do hope you can have a listen to that because it is great fun. So that's next week's Lord's Cricket Podcast with Graham Fowler. Once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>